Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a worldwide community of people who are using the practices of mindfulness, compassion, forgiveness, and generosity to heal the pain and suffering that addiction has caused in our lives and the lives of our loved ones. This podcast is for all those interested in and all those already practicing refuge recovery to find freedom from addiction of all kinds. To support this podcast and your refuge recovery, please donate using the link in the show notes. And uh, welcome everybody. Maybe some more people will be joining us in the next few minutes. Um, this is the first of a regular, well, we'll do a monthly um, third Thursday meeting with the Sangha where uh, any questions about anything refuge, structure, or uh, questions about community, uh, anything, service, service structure, service positions. We'll have some time to talk directly to communicate about any uh, suggestions, concerns, inquiries. Um, although I am the president of the board, it is a board of directors, Refuge Recovery. Uh, there are six people on the board, so there may be some questions or requests that come in that I won't be able to address that stuff I'll have to bring back to the board of directors. I don't, I won't have an answer for everything, but I will um, try. <laughs> I will be here to communicate with everybody uh, monthly. Um, I think that maybe how it would go best, my sense is that if, um, if you have a question, uh, if you've come with a question, probably topic that you'd like to discuss best to, to raise your hand in the uh, on the board under the participants and then I can just um, you know you can get your hands up and then I can call on you uh, in order of hand raised so if you know you want some you have a topic or a question or concern um, go ahead and raise your hand on your on your screen um, Rebecca, I have a question for you real quick. I'm recording to YouTube. Um, do I need to spotlight myself in order to do that? Because I'd prefer to keep it on the um, group view. Uh, gosh, you're putting me on the spot. So, I mean, all of these spaces, nobody's given permission to be on the group view. So uh -huh. uh, my suggestion is to just have it on you, although sadly you'd love it to have it on the community, but legally I, I probably wouldn't, but I don't we'd, know. We'd have to have, get everybody to sign something. Yeah, probably. Okay. I would just spotlight yourself for now. Okay. Okay, um, I see a hand from Vanessa. Go ahead and unmute yourself. Hi, let me raise my hand, or how do I lower it? You can leave it, leave it up actually, because that way you'll stay on my screen. Oh, okay. Um, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, there's a question that was sent in anonymously. 
I was at a meeting recently where instead of the dedication of merit, a non-refuge, non-Buddhist, nor recovery-related quote was read by the volunteer. Could you please explain what the dedication of merit is and its importance? Also, what should the secretary do, if anything, in that instance or when a volunteer uh, or when a volunteer to read from the book strays from the refuge recovery book program? Um, well, part of the, the way that the question is asked is understanding that it is one of our essential elements that only uh, readings that come from the refuge recovery book. So that would include things like, now here, here's a problem. <laughs> uh, in the refuge recovery book, I say, um, read the dedication of merit, but then I didn't put a dedication of merit in the refuge recovery book. <laughs> So um, it's, it is, it's a little it has left a little bit of a, a, a loophole. Um, on the website, we have two uh, dedications of merit, uh, and that we would like people to only use those two and to not go too far uh, away from uh, you know kind of breaking the essential elements and the and the kind of the principle that we're going to keep this with our literature and not bring outside uh, sources or, or uh, into the meetings. When somebody, I mean, this is a big question that I'm not sure I have the right answer to. Um, I have a couple of different thoughts about it. When somebody, you know, uh, breaks a guiding principle or, or an essential element, um, you know, my sense is that we just want to gently, you know, somebody, the secretary, the, the, um, the, uh, group rep, you know, somebody in the meeting wants to just gently communicate to the person that it's um, not appropriate without, you know, and it's that, that difficult communication without shaming, without blaming, without attacking, gently say, hey, you know, maybe you weren't aware that it's part of our essential elements that we only read from the book. Um, and so I think it's just a gentle communication and that it, probably it's uh, on the secretary and or uh, group rep responsibility to just educate, just gently remind people. Um, but it's also the secretary's duty when asking someone to read the dedication of merit to say, would you read one of these two that are on the website, one of these dedications of merit? Please don't do your own. No, no freestyling, no you know, uh, bringing in other outside literature, outside sources. Um, did that address that well enough, Vanessa? Is there anything that I missed there? Um, let me review the question here. Um, what, uh, why is the dedication of merit important? Is that part of the question? Mm-hmm. I like that. I, I like to talk about that for a moment. Um, Let me read the question verbatim so I'm not making it up here. Okay. Could you please explain what the dedication of merit is yeah. and its importance? Right. Um, okay. Let me talk about that for a moment. It's uh, understood that when we meditate and when we gather in Sangha, that we're creating karma right, that it's a positive, meditation is a positive action, gathering together to support each other is a positive action. Uh, karma and merit are very similar, where we're developing this goodness, and in Buddhist thought, there's a, 
perspective that says you can choose to keep that for yourself, for your own healing, your own recovery, or you can cho- choose to share that. And so it's become, a, uh, you know, in I think all Buddhist traditions, um, a habit after group practices, after meeting together and practicing the Dharma and sharing the Dharma with each other to say, rather than keeping this, rather than clinging to the merit that has been developed through our practice, let's share it. And it's this act of generosity. It's this act of, of altruism and, and of saying like, hey, let's, so whether or not there's any kind of real mystical way that we can share it, the reason I included it in Refuge is because I just think it's a good reminder to us every time to, to let go, to share, to be of service, to remember that our recovery is not only for ourselves, but it's also to benefit others. And so it's one of the acts that we do in each, mini, in each meeting that reminds us to, to be of service, to share our energy, our time, our resources, our merit with each other. And that's why I included it in the refuge structure. Thank you. Hopefully that was clear enough. Um, Richard. Thank you, Noah. Good to see everyone. Um, so I have two questions, but I don't need to ask them both at the same time. I'll, I'll defer on the second one. Please space for others. But the first question I have has to do with the, um, the types of meetings that we have. And specifically, the question has to do with what's involved in the transition from online to in-person meetings. I know just to provide background that we're talking about having three types of meetings at this time. We have online only, we have uh, geographically based uh, in-person meetings that had been converted to online, but plan to go back to being in-person. And then we have some hybrid, which I'm not clear exactly what it means that it's online, but also geographically based. So maybe some clarification about that third category. But my questions had to do with the transition going back to in-person meetings, uh, will the current uh, positions that these online meetings have now that are going back to being in-person or will be new in-person meetings, uh, is that gonna leave holes in the current online schedule? And if so, how does World Services plan to address that? Because people are asking about whether the online meetings are going to, well, disappear, which they're not, but going to diminish. So that seems to be a current question going around the song at this current time. Uh, the second part of the question has to do with Donna. How will Donna be handled in in-person meetings and what percentage will go to world services, if any, but I assume there will be. And the third part of it has to do with current service positions, which are all based on people who are online. But if uh, there are holes in the service positions because they're not geographically based, how do we make that transition and what happens to the current online-based positions? I guess that's the same question. Anyway, and I'm sure there's more questions about this, this transition that I haven't even thought of, but those are the three that come to me. You know, I have a um, general feeling uh, of answering that question with a simple, we'll see. <laughs> We'll, we'll see rather than like what's going to happen, planning, worrying, you know, um, we'll see, you know, if uh, I would encourage people to keep it more 
in the present and more practical. And if you're involved with a meeting uh, that's online that used to be live and you're going to go live again, do it. Right. And then you got, you know, and each meeting can decide that this is like autonomy of the group. Are you going to, um, I don't know if you have an example in your community, Richard, um, do you, are you, is there a meeting in your community that went online that's going to go back to in person? Yes. Wednesday night, seven o'clock, Katari. Yeah. And so it's really, it's going to be up to you. Your, your meeting is going to decide, um, okay, we still have this online meeting. Do we want, are we going back to in-person? And so you have to take a group, you know, you have to say like, okay, the, most of us are going to go back to in-person. Some of us are going to stay online or the opposite. Most of us are going to stay online. Some of us are going to go to in-person. And, you know, then just if that means that there's some service positions that need to get turned over and, you know, the Wednesday meeting is going to open, they can coexist at the same time if that's what the group wants to do. And, you know, often because it's not, uh, you know, like that Wednesday seven o'clock meeting, how many people are actually from NorCal that go to it? Oh, I'd say on the average, maybe seven, eight. And how many people attend the meeting? About 20, there were 24 there the other night. Right. So it might make sense for the, you know, 18 people who aren't local to keep doing that meeting. That's part of their regular sangha and they, you know, get a secretary and, and keep doing it as a regular Wednesday, seven o'clock meeting. And the um, locals who want to go back to in-person do that, go back to in-person. So I don't think that there, you know, this should just be up to the meeting. You guys should just say like, okay, there's eight of us who are intending to start the in-person again. And the rest of you carry on if you like. Okay. So I, I don't mean to convert everything into policy, but I'm kind of hearing you say that the board's opinion or even policy on this matter is it's up to the individual meetings to figure this out. Yeah, this is group autonomy. You know, as far as worlds, I think, I think it's mostly uh, the autonomy of the group to decide this stuff. World okay. Services is committed to um, supporting and maintaining Zoom meetings. And um, that's why I kind of have this, like, of whatever is useful, whatever is necessary. At one point on the board, we had said, like, well, what if there was a three meetings a day on the West Coast and East Coast, a morning meeting, a midday meeting, and an evening meeting, seven days a week, so that there was 21 uh, West Coast meetings, 21 East Coast, you know, so 42 world services, regular weekly meetings, every day there's a meeting available online. Would that be enough, right? Right now, that, so that would be 42 meetings. Right now there's like 60 or 60 plus, close to 70 meetings. So likely at some point, 70 meetings won't be necessary online because there'll be so many in-person meetings. Uh, our own thought was maybe 40 or so meetings would be able to sustain themselves. Um, but again, we'll see with time. If we end up trying to host online meetings that people aren't interested in, then we'll let them go. But as long as people are interested and showing up and engaged in their Sangha on Zoom, We'll, we'll continue to support that in all the ways that we can. Okay. That helps. Thanks for that clarification. What about Donna? Donna, um, at one point we did do a, I think it might be, Vanessa, are you aware? I think it's on the site somewhere. 
where uh, there's a suggestion for in-person, you know, to continue with the $5 suggested donation. When there is a prudent reserve for that in-person meeting, you can pay the rent. I think you have, is it somewhere on the site? Are you aware I'll, of it? I'll look, for it? I'll look for it right now. We could pull it up. My, my memory is that it was something like when you have two months rent, um, then uh, start sending, you know, some of the extra into world services, support the nonprofit with the extra money that comes in, as long as you, you know, have a prudent reserve for your meeting, similar to how all of the recovery fellowships do it, where there's a suggestion of a split. In many of the more established recovery fellowships, there's a split of like for your local intergroup, for your state intergroup, and for the, you know, world services. Since we don't have those other those smaller uh, local and regional yet, but at some point we want to build that, right? And maybe that's one of the questions, and certainly one of the things we'll be talking about at the conference this summer of how do we start to build this, uh, you know, regional and national structure for uh, inter intergroup, right? To to interface with world services. And that, and that prudent reserve or treasury, whatever you want to call it, might also include um, some money for having books available. I mean, who knows? That kind of thing. Yeah. Coffee, yeah. coffee, tea, books. Other, other expenses, right. Got yeah, it. Okay. sure. Okay. Then service positions. Uh, it seems like some service positions right now, online meetings don't have treasurers for obvious reasons, but we will have them uh, again when we go in person. Yeah. Uh, and we might even have a greeter, depends. Uh, we don't have one now, uh, but then the door person might drop off. I mean, so there's all that transitional. That's that's something we'll just figure out, like you said before. I think that the door person online is the same function as the greeter uh, in person. Um, oh. And that it, it is, it's the treasurer that gets added, secretary, group rep, treasurer, door person, um, you know, when you have your group rep going, there's also a position for the business meetings. Uh, what are we calling it, Vanessa? Recording secretary or recording? Um, minute, minute, minute it's not secretary, it's minutes recorder. I think. Minutes recorder, so somebody to take the minutes at the business meeting. Uh, there's also phone list, you know, commitments. That, you know, there's there are, uh, right now it's online phone list so that, you know, in-person people, you know, we wanna have those kind of gathering the communications as well. Um, and then, you know, if you go to different meetings, again, we'll have the autonomy to say, hey, we wanna have, the person who has the commitment to set up the chairs, the person that has the commitment to break down the chairs, the person that does the greeting, the, the one that, you know, makes sure that the, the, there's a smoking announcement, that there's a, you know, uh, uh, announcement for the mentors, somebody that makes sure that cleans up the cigarette butts on the sidewalk if there are any, you know, like you go to some meetings and there's 12 different service commitments which is great. If you have a big enough meeting, it's great. Give everybody a commitment. That way you really get everyone engaged in being of service in the meeting. It's wonderful. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks, yeah. Noah. Yeah. The answer to the Donna question is in the link in the chat window. Was I, was I close? Something like that. I, I just skimmed it, but yeah, it's um, after, I, I can read it if everyone wants me to. Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, we can. Can we share it on the screen real quick? Sure. Do you can want you, to Can you do it? Do you have it up? Let me close out some of these other tabs. Yeah. Let's just look at it together. This is an important question. Not quite yet, but we all want to know about this. 
All right. So this here, I'll show you how I got here. So we know how to do this. I went to the main website. It's under resources. And then it's actually under the service position. So the service position of treasurer, because only in-person meetings have treasurers. And so it says right here, this is what the treasurer does. So uh, when I have a business meeting as well, I've been pulling up these documents and reading them before we hold elections. So everyone knows what they're, you know, they're um, offering to do. So here it says make group contributions to directly support the Refuge Recovery World Service Office by helping to cover the shared expenses of the entire World Sangha, such as creation and maintenance of RR websites, Zoom accounts and social media accounts and organization of our retreats, conferences and conventions. Each group after paying its bills and buying a small number of refuge recovery books to offer for sale at each meeting should hold a reserve adequate to run the group for two months. Excuse me, after this reserve has been established and is being maintained, all funds collected over this reserve amount are to be passed along to RRWS to help refuge recovery as a whole. So when it says here, um, reserve adequate to run the group for two months, that's not just rent, right? That's like some groups will have like coffee supplies or, right? Yes. Great, thank you for sharing that. All right, hope that was helpful. Um, who's next? Andrew, I think is next. Hi, good evening everybody, hope you're all doing well. I hope this isn't a redundant question, but it has to do uh, once again with uh, different readings of the meetings. Um, I found that uh, uh, Heart of the Revolution, um, this is not a criticism of your books, but Heart of the Revolution goes into a much better discussion on Tonglen compassion and things like that. And sometimes it helps, especially for people that are newer to refuge recovery to kind of explain why you're doing this, right? Um, is it okay to read stuff out of that in, in, in those structured circumstances? You're shaking your head no, like a definitive no. No, um, my, my suggestion would be uh, if you feel that it's helpful um, in my books or anybody else's book, that that's something you, you could suggest to somebody that you're mentoring or a friend in recovery. You could say, hey, this other literature helped me, um, but not bringing even my other books into the meetings. Perfect. All right, thank you. Um, uh, also on things like bringing meetings into, we have a lot of prisons here where I live. Um, bringing meetings into prisons, uh, I guess is along the lines of H&I. Uh, and I was wondering if, how that establishment is some sort of, uh, is same documentation, same idea, or are we doing something different? Um, clarify that question. What do you mean by document, you know, about like, would we do the structure different? Is that what you mean? Right. Run a meeting, everything's the same, correct? For the most part, um, you know, so a couple of things about this. We've been talking about trying to get this organized for seven years. From the beginning of Refuge, we've saying like, how do we organize outreach hospitals and institutions? It's been on our minds. Uh, there's been certain individuals who've had success going in, getting it going. It sounds like you may be doing that, um, Andrew. Uh, as far as format, for the most part, yes, but it depends on, you know, you have to be a little bit flexible because sometimes you go into a place and um, they're not going to let you bring in a bunch of books or they're not going to let you uh, hand out readings to the uh, inmates or the people there. So 
Um, you can be a little bit flexible. I think it's quite good to uh, still do the thing. And, you know, if you're, if you're coming in, you might lead the meditation the first time, but if it's a regular meeting and you're getting the guys and they're coming back or the women, whoever it is, the people coming to the meeting at some point, I think it's great to have the people in the institution do the reading, do the meditation, do it just like we do in a regular meeting where you're sharing it rather than one person coming in and kind of teaching them about refuge. Teach them how to do peer-led meetings and then have a peer-led meeting in the, um, you know, in yeah, the center, if, if it's possible. Yeah, no, they're wrong with the assumption that I'm going to get hit by a bus, right? I mean, they have to be able to take over. You can't just something could happen, I may not be able to make it back. So, okay. All right. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Good to see you. Good to see you, ma'am. Sebastian, you're on. Cool. Thanks. Uh, first, thanks for breaking that down about the Donna reading. I did not know that. I thought we, uh, each group could kind of make up their own. There's been a couple of them out there that been making their rounds and I've been collecting them because they're pretty good. So I appreciate that being brought up. Um, you mean the, the Donna or the Merit? The, I'm sorry, Dedication of Merit. The Dedication of Merit. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I got it mixed up. But yeah, so because there, there's some good ones out there and um, that was a great point. I didn't think about that, that it's like different from what we have there. So the other thing I was thinking of is, so you were saying that like it's, you know, when these essential elements aren't being met, that it's great for, you know, the secretaries or group reps to kind of step in. I wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about how uh, we can as peers do something as well, because like I'll attend some meetings where the group secretary is leading all the meditations or doing all the readings from the book. And in the essential elements, it said we're supposed to have, uh, you know, people rotating from that. So I'm kind of wondering if, uh, you know, you could speak a little bit about how peers could jump in. Cause I think sometimes people feel like, oh, it might not be my place. This person's a secretary. I kind of don't want to go against what, what they're doing or what they're saying. And then maybe even like why it's important to kind of rotate uh, those out. Um, yeah. And I got some questions about the regional stuff, but I could bug you later. <laughs> I mean, I would love it if, um, you know, I don't know, that, that sort of the leaders are just the, the trusted volunteers. And, you know, that uh, each one of us as members of, of Refuge is, is a citizen, <laughs> is a, you know, is a citizen. And that actually they are, you know, they're doing service to us, but they don't have authority. The secretary doesn't have authority. The group rep doesn't have authority. They are, you know, this is your led. And that I, I like what you're saying and that maybe if we could all kind of create the culture of um, accountability, like we're, we're actually, they're accountable to us. <laughs> you know, the secretary is accountable to the whole, Sangha, rather than like they're, you know, uh, in charge or something. And so that it's actually our job to, um, you know, speak to them and say, hey, you know, this is, you know, there's these essential elements and, uh, you know, there's these guiding principles. And, and it feels like uh, for, you know, refuge recovery as a whole, you doing it different than it is meant to be done in the elements and in the guiding principles could be causing some harm to us as a community. And so we want, you know, uh, it's all of our jobs to step up and, you know, not just 
secretary or not just calling world services all the time and like saying, hey, somebody's fucking up a meeting over here of, you know, you, you know, as a member, each one of us as members, um, the tricky thing is being able to do it in a kind way without, like I said before, without the blame and shame and a kind of not being aggressive, but just out of like, what's the true motivation? The true motivation is we love refuge recovery. We know it works when it's done the way it's meant to be done. Um, and so just encouraging, hey, would you please come back to the script, come back to um, the format, come back to the essential elements of the rotating leadership. Really important that people, different people every week lead the meditation. Really important. It's the way it's designed. It's the way that this thing will succeed and that it doesn't become a cult of personality for that secretary um, or that you know person or their friend or whomever it is that we just keep turning it over and keep sharing the responsibility and... Um, you know, and seeing that nobody's more important in the room than anybody else, whether you have more time or less time, or more experience or less experience, that we're all really in this together. That's the, the spirit. That's the, my sense of the spirit of, of being peer led. I dig it. I dig it. And um, the other question I had was like, uh, just some clarification. I, we, we, talk, we talked a little bit about it at the last uh, town hall style meeting we had. But uh, like I have a, I'm group repping an mm -hmm. online meeting, right? And it's based out of San Diego. And uh, we haven't gotten uh, a door person because there isn't anybody in San Diego that's kind of sticking around. But we do have a bunch of people from different parts of the country uh, showing up. Uh, is it a thing now where we could get people that are not in San Diego to step in as door person? And um you know, I guess the other part of that is that, like, um, you know, San Diego seems like a good spot to have a refuge meeting at. Maybe we're not doing it at the right time or something like that because we can't have we haven't had any San Diego people stick, but it's a strong meeting. So then, like, at what point? I mean, like, do we end up having a business meeting and checking with the group to see if they want to switch over to just purely online rather than being a San Diego based online meeting? Right, what are your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I think you said it which is like it, this idea of doing the regional groups to try to gather people from that low, you know, that region to then, you know, connect with Sangha and start in person. Great idea. Um, and we're seeing that it's not working all that well in a lot of places that once you start an online meeting, you know, even people from San Diego might be going to all of the New York meetings, you know, like they're not just coming to the San Diego meeting. They might be coming to all of the, you know, Seattle meetings or whatever. So I think that if you've tried it and it hasn't, you know, you guys have been doing that for a few months now, at some point you say like, okay, we're not really attracting and sustaining locals to this meeting. And you're, you're not even a local to the meeting and, you know, like, okay, let's just, you know, have a group conscience. Should we just be an online meeting and encourage, you know, uh, people to start, you know, if people from San Diego show up or, you know, that it'll happen, right? The San Diego meetings will happen. There used to be some meetings down there. There will definitely be meetings down there again. Um, but at some point, just accepting that it didn't work. We tried, it didn't really work. Let's just be an online meeting. 
Was that both of the questions? Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Thank you. Cool. Well, actually, sorry, just one last thing. Uh, I guess the part of uh, also, like, if we are San Diego, can somebody be a door person outside of San Diego? Or should it just be a San Diego person? Like, if they decide to stay that way? Well, it sounds like you guys made an exception for you to be the, you know, a non-San Diego group rep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, that, was a, that was a weird one. Um, I had to just pick it up and try to create structure. So we found a secretary to take yeah. over. And the goal was to kind of fill in the positions and then we step out. But because we haven't had San Diego people fill in. <laughs> Again, I would bring it back to, you know, there's, I don't think that there's a, it's not, there's no essential elements. There's no guiding principles here. This was a, an idea from world services that we hoped would help create some local, you know, sanghas. So I, I would just put it back on the meeting. You guys decide, really, group autonomy. You, you have a meeting. It's a successful meeting. You're meeting together. You guys get together and have a business meeting and decide, hey, what, how does this movie, meeting want to move forward with this stuff? So, Noah, yeah. um, I don't know if you want me to add the link, but in the um, how to run a business meeting, we did talk about who um, is what a quorum is and who are um, eligible voters. And listed in there, it says anyone who's attended the meeting two times is eligible to vote. That's right. But that's the, the voting was, the, I, and I'm sure Sebastian's aware of that, but this is a good point that, that Vanessa's bringing up is that we have very clear uh, suggestions on the website about business meetings and about voting and quorums. And, and we encourage everyone that's not aware of that to look at it and to know, and it's kind of what I was saying before, know that actually the power you have as a member as somebody who attends the meeting, you have a vote, you have the ability to propose votes, you have, you know, you have autonomy. This is peer led, it's democratic structure. Um, it's your right to, you know, ask people who are breaking, uh, you know, essential elements or guiding principles to not do that. It's your, it's your right to vote. Like, you know, we have that, uh, you're empowered as a, as a member. So, um, Check that out if you don't already know it. I got about 20 more minutes. Um, Richard, go ahead, jump in. Hey, sorry for hogging the meeting. Uh, this was my second question. I didn't announce it before. So it has to do with the business rep description online. Uh, the part of the description that I'm referring to is where it says on the second page, that the business rep represents group at the group at state, provincial, regional, and world refuge recovery service conventions. So given that, uh, and I know this question is gonna push into the um, inquiry about the uh, structure of the upcoming conference in June, but what's gonna happen with the business rep at the conference and what's gonna happen with this sort of voting privilege, if you will, or representational privilege that they have um, probably not much this year because we're not quite there yet. And we're just, you know, a lot of that, um, write-up is aspirational <laughs> is that we hope that we get to the place. We aspire to get to the place where there's such a great structure that there will be, um, you know, 
international issues that we'll want to vote on at the meeting level, at the regional level, at the state, uh, you know, national, that will eventually come to the World Services Conference with your, 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 your reps. Um, we're just not there yet. So this year, uh, more, we're just really happy if, if you are a group rep and um, you can kind of come and say, hey, this is what's happening with my meeting and um, you know, I, I feel like we, we need a critical mass of group reps. And, um, you know, one of the things I think that this is, is quite useful is um, we don't have at World Services, we would like to have contact info for everyone who's a group rep. And we'd like to have a way to, um, you know, communicate and have you communicate with refuge. And that way, you know, it can be organized and, and some of this um, uh, but right now we only have like a handful, like a couple of people that we know are the group reps for these different meetings. So, um, I don't know, I don't think we have it fully organized yet. And Rebecca, I don't know if you want to speak to this, but how we can actually get that information of who are the group reps, how, where should they be sending that information to so that we can actually, if there was something that needed to be communicated to the meetings that should go through the group rep to the meeting, take a group conscience, but we don't even have the info about who the meeting group reps are yet. So we need that first and foremost. Um, Rebecca, do you want to speak to that for a moment of how we can gather that information? That is such a good question. <laughs> uh, I don't think we have an answer yet. And I don't think we've gotten there. We don't have that info. What we know is what you've said. We don't have that information right now. How do we set up that process where when a meeting changes from who the secretary is, who the group rep is, how do we set up that process in a way that works well that people will actually then get in touch with world services to transfer that? We haven't gotten there yet to set that up. Um, I mean, I have like a, you know, just a basic sort of format right now, but um, it's a good question that it's on our list to do. Should we know. have a form on our website that um, the incoming group rep signs and then every time there's, you know, kind of fills out so that we have their contact info? We can do a lot of things. We could do whatever we want. Whatever makes it easiest for people. I think that's something we might want to, you know, hash through like a few ideas and then put it out for people to vote on. Um, yeah, my sense is that even, you know, to begin with, if we just had something on the website where uh, the group reps gave us their info so that if, you know, we could say, hey, here's something to bring back to your to your groups to vote on and then come represent it at the conference. Um, I think that that's how it will work. Yeah, Richard, go ahead. Um, I have some 12 step experience on this very point of having someone who oversees the um, collection of data from the groups and cycles it back to the, um, the main headquarters. Um, so I, I know how this is done in 12 step. I can confer with Rebecca about this if, if it would be helpful. It would be helpful. Yeah, and we have, um, you know, we, we do of course look to how it's done in, in 12 step a lot, but what we run into a lot is like they have, um, you know, 88 years of organizing and you know, hundreds of thousands of members. And so they're so organized um, at this point, 88 years into it, we just aren't able to reproduce it. So we actually have to look at like, what were they doing in 1940? 
<laughs> and it was a fucking mess. <laughs> well, 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 this 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 particular issue is rather simple. So yeah. I, this one's really doable. Okay. As far, as, 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 far as, as far as aspirational for the um, group convention, the state or national convention, I'm going to start making banners. So Orlando 2024. Okay. Orlando 2024. Got it. Thanks, Richard. Uh, Ruben, jump in. Yeah. Um, was it last Wednesday in No Lotus says they uh, started going forward with a um, like no like no emojis and stuff like that. Um, kind of like just block that out during the meeting. And I kind of like that. Is that going like moving forward? We're all going to be doing that. Um, like the, my, the my heart, no, because you know, like we're not 12 step, but um, in 12 step, you don't do that. Like if you're in a circle of people like, hey, right on, you know, or. Um, my, sense, my sense is that this is um, group autonomy. And, you know, there is a encouragement to uh, not have crosstalk in, in meetings. Uh, this is part of the conversation that's going on in a lot of the Zoom communities of what is crosstalk, right? Is, is um, posting in the chat crosstalk? Is, um, you know, this, this phenomenon or is, you know, using the emojis, the, the clapping or the hearts, um, you know, kind of, is that, is that crosstalk? Um, you know, in, in live meetings, Sometimes people would clap, you know, right? Like somebody sure. said something and, you know, like, woo, you know, like, um, but so each meeting has to decide how much of that kind of crosstalk type of communication sure. do you want to allow? Um, World Services is not going to be controlling and kind of say like, hey, you can't do this and you can't do that. Okay. We have, you know, my, my feeling from, you know, this sort of creating this peer led structure is like, we want to create a structure and here's like the four walls or signposts or whatever, but there's a lot of freedom in the middle there that the Sangha has to figure out how you guys want to do it. You got to right. propose things, you got to vote on it. Um, secretary shouldn't be making decisions and just saying, Hey, it's like this now that needs to go through the group. The group has to decide on that. And then if it gets decided and you don't like it, there is something about, um, you can't like try to change it the next week, but after some period of time, you can vote against it. You know, you can bring it up again sure. uh, and say, hey, I really like the heart emojis. I miss them. Let's vote on that again. Sure. Up to the group. And that's, you know, that's going to be the answer a lot is up to the group. Yeah, I'm just very new to all this. So I'm just trying to yeah. get up to speed. So great, welcome. You. Glad you're with us. Thank you very much. That's it. Vanessa, I'm going to call on you, but I also want to say we only have a few minutes left. If there's anybody who's not saying something that they want to say because you're shy, please. Um, Raise your hand, step forward, want to hear from you. Um, is this question in the chat from you, Vanessa? It, that was mandatory. Well, yeah, because I've had people ask me this when they're uh, going for the group rep um, position. They don't know if 
they'll be able to travel or attend conferences. So kind of dovetailing on Richard's question, is it mandatory that the group rep attend these conferences? And then I have a question about the appreciative joy um, meditation okay. after that. Um, of course, it's not mandatory. We can't mandate, you know, mandate anything, and we wouldn't want to do that. And um, also, just like financially, like you might have all of the time and energy and, and commitment to be a group rep, but you might not have an extra thousand dollars to travel to the conference. So, uh, of course, it's not mandatory. Um, there will be things at at times that take place, votes that take place in person. Um, we're at a time now where we can and should be able to, as we have been all year on Zoom, figure out how to do stuff online, to do it both ways, you know, to do a virtual um, and in person. There's something we'd want to encourage people to connect, to come to the conferences, to meet their sanghas and to participate and have dialogue and not just online. But it's not, man you know, the answer is no, it's not going to be mandatory. And we will figure out a way for organization and uh, representation virtually. Let's talk about the appreciative joy. What's your comment on that? Uh, in your book, Refuge Recovery, A Buddhist Path to Recovering from Addiction, you state, <clears throat> radiate gratitude and appreciation to all beings in existence those above and below the seen and unseen what is above and below <laughs> uh, heaven and hell <laughs> in the, i don't know in the skyscrapers and in the you know uh, uh you know those those ones up on the third floor and in the basement you know in the gutter and in the um you know Mal malibu and venice <laughs> thank you you know uptown and downtown I don't know. I mean, I'm talking shit, but uh, that comes from a traditional Buddhist that's in his, in the Buddha's Brahma Viharas, where he talks about beings that are near and far away, seen and unseen, um, being born and dying. And he uses this phrase, um, above and below. So on a practical level, above can mean birds, you know, those of the, those living beings that, that live in the sky that fly um, below can be uh, the living beings that uh, live in the earth, the, the, the worms and the bugs and the, you know, gophers or whoever else lives below, you know, in the earth itself. Um, and then there's some, you know, traditional Buddhist mystical uh, connotations here too about, about heaven and hell. I don't know if everybody knows this, and we don't talk about it in refuge, but in traditional Buddhist cosmology, there's considered to be hell realms and heaven realms. Now, in the West, I usually think about these as states of mind rather than actual places, the heaven uh, mind state and the hell mind state. Um, but it might be part of what was traditionally being referred to was actually appreciating those who are doing time in a pleasant he heaven realm and also appreciating those who are doing time in an unpleasant hell realm. All right, we've got two more. Who's first? Uh, Jeremiah, I think. Thanks, Noah. Hello, everyone. Since we're talking about meditations, I wanted to bring up the Tonglen meditation because I really like that meditation. 
And I know that there's some changes being talked about in language. Have those changes been made? Can we still lead this meditation in our group? And should we start changing some of the language, like where it says black, change it to dark? Um, I have edited those meditations. I believe we uploaded the new meditations yesterday. Um, Let me just chime in and say I'm in the middle of formatting them and I'll have them up tomorrow. Okay. So So we have a whole bunch of new meditations with pronouns changed and... um, Noah went through all of them. They'll be up tomorrow. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so they're done and they're ready to get uploaded and they'll be available. And we have a newsletter coming out in the next few days that says, please don't use the old ones. Please use the new ones. Um, and that's, that's coming this week. Uh, but the, the, the change that I did was quite simple. All I did was remove the word black and the word white because it says black uh, heavy and it's a light, light, cool. So it works just as well to just say, breathe in the heavy, hot, breathe out the light, cool, and removing the color-based imagery. Uh, and, and it functions the same way in your meditation practice. Okay, thank you. And likewise with the... Um, Likewise, with the heart practices, we I edited out the him and her and just them when we're talking about sending um, loving kindness to our uh, benefactors. We send them loving kindness. And it works perfectly. It doesn't change the sense or the meaning of the practice. All right. Was that it, Jeremiah? Yeah, you're cool. Cat. Uh, Hi, everybody. Um, So I had a question because um, I am a group rep for a meeting and I asked somebody else this before, but I think I'm still kind of confused about it. Um, So it says that one of the responsibilities of a group rep is to run the business meeting. And I'm not sure what the different, like, wouldn't the secretary run the business meeting? So what does that mean? Um. You know, it means saying, hey, we're going to have a business meeting and here's the business. Uh, we're going to vote on this and, and we're going to, you know, elect a new secretary. And um, rather than, you know, so that's a good example. Like when the secretary's six months are up, um, you can say, OK, we're going to have a business meeting tonight. The secretary's time is up. We appreciate whomever it was, Vanessa, we appreciate you so much for being the secretary for the last six months. We're gonna hold election tonight. Are there any nominations? And that you as the group rep can be the person who calls for the nominations. You say, is there a second to that nomination? You know, and, and follow the, the, the business meeting format and that that's one of your responsibilities. So the secretary doesn't speak at all, like as far as like doing all that, it's the group rep that does all that speaking. Because I'm so not familiar with this kind of stuff. In the last business meeting I had, it was so hard for me. To, I didn't even know what to do. Yeah. I've never, so I need to attend more business meetings. I think I would like to attend more. Attend more. And then also, you know, for all of us, whether you have a position or not, study yeah. the how to run a business meeting thing that we put up. Everybody should read that. We should all be familiar with. I think, I think doing it 
uh, is better for me. Like reading it, I can't retain that. You know what I mean? Just reading it. I think I have to do it. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But thank you for clarifying that. You're welcome. Welcome, welcome. I mean, the one th last thing that I want to say to that cat is, and I believe this is in our structure, that um, if for some reason the group rep can't make it to the business meeting, someone else can call a business meeting. Uh, and of course, the secretary could do that or any member of the group could could do that if, you know, because we don't want to, you know, we could run, theoretically, we could run into a situation where, you know, the secretary and the group rep both disappear. You know, let's say they relapse together or something and they're gone. <laughs> so it has to also be okay for someone else from the meeting to show up and say, hey, we need to have a business meeting because, you know, our group rep is gone. And so it's not only the group rep that can do that, but if the group rep is there, it's their role to run the meeting. Um, Noah, and I did upload the, the um, link to the group rep stuff. And it says here that, you know, if group rep is in it, then it defaults to secretary of secretaries and it's someone else with a service position at that anyone else can do it. And I think, I think it also says that they can actually just delegate someone else to run the meeting for them. Correct. Like they don't have to do it if they don't want to. I believe so, but we would encourage people to to do that. But yeah, we can it can be delegated. Was this useful? I hope it was useful. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Refuge Recovery Podcast. To learn more about our program of recovery and to connect with others on the Refuge Recovery Path, visit our website, refugerecovery.org where you will find information, meditations, and links to both in-person and online refuge recovery meetings. This podcast is brought to you by Refuge Recovery World Services, a nonprofit created to support our network of refuge recovery groups around the world. Thank you for listening.